This program was paid for by the friends and partners of Bruce Downs Catholic Ministries. Well, hello, everybody. It's wonderful to have you with us. I pray wherever you are that you know that God is with you exactly in the place where you are. If someone said to us right now, what's Advent mean? Advent is all about Jesus coming and Jesus coming into our life. Um, but when we begin to think about who Jesus is and what Jesus does for us, for many of us, we get somewhat confused or distant. For many people, we think about Advent and what we think that Advent is, is that Advent's about Christmas. Or we think about that Advent uh, is about presents, but Advent is not about that. Advent is not about preparing for the coming of Jesus at Christmas alone. Advent, when we study what the church teaches us, is that Advent is about uh, preparing for, yes, Jesus coming at Christmas and preparing our lives for that. But it's also about us preparing our heart and our life for the coming of Jesus when he will come back again. Some of the saints talk about Advent being a moment when we prepare the inner side of us, the inside of us also, to receive Jesus in our lives. But how do you prepare for Advent? How do you go about that? Well, as we, if we were to stop and we were to think about who God is and what God is like, if we were to stop and think about that, God is someone that is very hard to describe. Because if you think about who God is, if you think about what God is like, God is actually indescribable. You can't describe God, can you? You can't think about God. You can't define God. Sister Ruth Burroughs, who's a Carmelite nun, she says that if we were to think about who God is and use the word God, the problem is, is that we just caused a problem because we defined God by using the word God. That any term, any concept, any thought that we had is always limited. And so we're constantly limiting a God who is infinite, who is indescribable, who is beyond thought, beyond concept, that we can't get an understanding of if we're truthful. If we look at all of our daily devotionals, our daily devotionals go all over the world. They go into 180-something countries around the world. If, you, if you've travelled a lot, one of the things you know is that cultures are so vastly different. Cultures are different. There are different people in different ways uh, who think and have different values. There are some people who watch the daily devotionals in the morning. There are some people who watch them in the afternoons. Some people watch in the evening. Some people watch them in the, in the middle of the night. People do it in different cultures, in different ways, at different times. And yet, if we were to stop here right now and we were all to put our hand up, put your hand up, put your hand up for me. If you're all to put your hand up, right now, wherever you are around the world, God sees your hand up in every place, all at the same time, all at the same time. The World Cup is on right now. Countries from all over the world are watching it. And in all those places, God knows exactly where you are, what you did, when you watched, how you watched, who you're barracking for, and at what point you got disappointed because most get knocked out. God sees it all. Now, there's no being that we can, that can do that other than God. And yet when we think about God, we think of, in a sense, the perfect person. We think of someone that's a better version than us. We think of someone who can do all things. But think about something right now. Just think about anything. Anyway, just get something. God knows. 
Uh, think about something else. God knows. Think about what you might say. I was in Phoenix and I said to people recently, I said, I want you all to think about, I want you to think, have a thought right now. What would you pray to God? Well, he already knows. Have another, think about something else you'd pray to God about. He already knows. The truth is, what can you say to God that God doesn't already know? Think about it. He already knows. How are you feeling? He already knows. So how do we pray? How do we talk to God if God already knows everything that we're already saying in advance of it having been said? And so, and so when we think about God, God is so far beyond our definitions. God is so far beyond what we can think about. Sister Ruth Burrow is this Carmelite nun. She talks about God as being holy mystery. And she said, in, in some sense, we can only define God by saying that God is a holy mystery. Holy because he is so other. He is so set apart. And mystery because we can't explain anything about God if we're really truthful. And all of us who pray have an image in our mind of who we're praying to that is, that is a limited image so often. And we take God who is so massive and we squash God down to what we can conceive. Now, if we, we look at the teaching of the church, the church comes along and it says, we can't define God like that. We can't see God in that way. Um, and yet here's this God who is so far beyond somehow inviting us to relationship with him, and yet we can't define God. I, I've talked to many people who, who, uh, who pray. I, I recently said to a group of people in Chicago, I said to them, what was the fruit that, uh, that uh, Adam ate in the garden? Everybody quietly goes, sounds like a trick question, and a whole number of people said, well, it was an apple. No, it wasn't an apple. It was a piece of fruit. The reason it was an apple is because Cecil B. DeMille's, when he made a silent movie and movies years ago, needed a piece of fruit. So he said apple. So all the Catholics out there go, it was an apple. But we don't know. See, we've all got images that are wrong images of who God is. And, and, and in our lives, in all of the problems that we face, in all the issues that we face, all the circumstances we face, no matter what country we're in, no matter what place we are, so often our image of God is so limited to God not we, thinking God can't deal with our circumstance. God is different. Well, how can we know God? If, if God is inviting us to relationship, how can we know God? The only way that we can know God is by God who takes the initiative. It's God who comes to us. We, can't, we don't come to God. You talk to people and they say, well, what are you going to do for Advent? And some places people talk about Advent as being like a little Lent. And why do we prepare for, at Lent for Jesus? It's because Jesus is coming. Jesus is going to do something that is significant. And we prepare ourselves for what that is. And so you meet people and you meet Catholic people who stop and think to yourself, well, I'll do all, I'll set up all these habits. I'll do all of these things. And that's what Advent will do. And it's more about the things we do than actually the confrontation that we have with Christ ourselves. Now, the Catechism of the Catholic Church, it says this about God, because it is God who came to us. God infinitely perfect and blessed in himself, in a plan of sheer goodness, freely created men and women to make them share in his own blessed life. It is God 
out of an act of sheer goodness for no reason at all other than God wanted to do it. God was complete. If you think about who God is, God is complete and absolute in himself. Nothing can be added to God. God is not more fulfilled because he made you. God is not less because you do wrong. God was completely adequate, complete. Then he is now. God is complete. And so God, out of an act of sheer goodness, creates us. Why? For men and women to share in his blessed life. And for this reason, at every time and in every place, God draws close to people. He calls human beings to seek him, to know him, to love him with all their strength. So in other words, if God is so indescribable, we can't fathom God, the church teaches us. How do we get to God? It's purely because God made a decision to come to us. God has purely, totally, absolutely taken the initiative. It is not done by us. It is not our effort. It is not what the, the things that we do. As someone wrote to me recently and said to me, it's not the white knuckle club, whereas I just grit my teeth and I try to be as good as I can be. No, no, no. God has come to us. And God is coming to us. And it goes on and it says, to accomplish this, when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son as redeemer and saviour. In his son and through him, he invites men and women to become in the Holy Spirit, his adopted children and thus heirs of his blessed life. So if God is so indescribable, if God is so other, if God is so holy, if God is so mystery, how can we know God? How can we be close to God? Well, in the book of Hebrews, it, it, it says this. Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors in many and various ways by the prophets. Right back from the very beginning of the scriptures, if we read them, right back from the, from the time when the story of the people of Israel began, it was God who was always reaching them. It was always God's initiative. It was always God coming to us. Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors in many and various ways by the prophets. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by a son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also created the worlds. So, so right through the people, of the, the people of the Old Testament, it was always about, it was always about God trying to reach out to them and so in various ways, whether it was the people of Israel being taken out of the land of Egypt and it was clouds at night, it was clouds by day, it was you know, flames by night, it was quail and it was manna that was provided for them. It was the parting of the Red Sea. It was, it was all of these things that occurred. God has always been speaking, but it's always God's initiative and we're the recipient of it. But yet when I was raised, when I was younger, I was taught that it was my effort. And so I suffered for a long time by this thing called Catholic guilt. And Catholic guilt was I didn't do the things that I had to do to make me a good boy. And I didn't do what I had to do to, to get to God. And the truth is, it's God who starts. And we are always responding. He's the ultimate lover who is always the one who begins. And it goes on and it says, he's the reflection 
of God's glory. He's the reflection of God's glory. Who's the reflection of God's glory? Jesus. So the way that Jesus, that God decided that we would know who God is, is that he would send his son, Jesus. And by looking at Jesus, we would know who the indescribable God is. To know God is, you must know Jesus, right? He is the reflection. Jesus is the reflection of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's very being. And he sustains all things by his powerful word. When he made purification of the sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than others. It's a big passage. Let's look at it again. Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors in many and various ways by the prophets. God has always been speaking, always taking the initiative, always trying to reveal himself. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by a son, by a son, and that son is Jesus, by a son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he, is, he also created the worlds. So Jesus, who is the imprint of who God is, and you cannot know God and God's will but to know Jesus. And so if there are decisions in your life that you're trying to make, if there are things that you're trying to figure out, which we're all trying to figure out from time to time, it is God, the Father, that needs to reveal that to us. And it gets revealed to us in Jesus. And who's Jesus? Whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also created the worlds. So Jesus is the heir of God. And it is Jesus because it is Jesus' word. It is Jesus who is the word. Jesus is the living embodiment of what God wants and God desires. Jesus is the, is the embodiment of what God the Father's intention is. To not know Jesus is to not know the Father's will. To not know Jesus is to not know the Father's will. Because why? What does it goes on that says in the scripture? For he's the reflection of God's glory and the exact imprint of of God's very being. Again, he's the reflection of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's very being. And he sustains all things by his powerful word. He just has to speak. When he had made purification for our sins, when Jesus had died for our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, sat down at the right hand of the Father, on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than ours. So after Jesus had come and the worlds were created through him, and after Jesus had come and we had been saved through him, and what did Jesus do? He establishes the kingdom of God. He prays, Father, he says, Father, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He gives us and sends us the Holy Spirit to be able to live he then dies and he rises. And then where does he go? He goes to heaven. And what's he doing? He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. And what's he doing there? Have a look at this. In Romans 8, 34, it says this. It is Christ Jesus who died, yes, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. Right now, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. And what he is doing is interceding for us. Right now, he's looking and going, you know, there's Mary Ann. 
Father, look at Marianne. See Marianne there, Father, she has issues. Help her. There's Ryan. Lord, Father, help him. There's Emma. Father, help him. Father, there's all those people in New York. Help them. And you can just imagine God the Father going, would you just be, be quiet? And Jesus is saying, no, 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 this is what I do. I'm in constant intercession for the people that I died for and that I rose for. What I'm doing is I'm revealing you because you are so indescribable. That's what I'm doing. Uh, now, the apostles, the 12, they didn't get it. They didn't understand this. They, did, they couldn't understand everything that was happening. And that's for so many of us. We fail with this. We, we misunderstood. And so we read in the beginning of John's, in, in John's gospel, um, the, not the beginning, in, the, in John's gospel, we read this story of Jesus began to say, well, I'm going to the Father. I'm going to the Father and I'm going to pr prepare a place for you. And Peter comes along and Peter says, Peter says to him, Lord, where are you going? Peter says to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus says, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now. But you'll follow me afterward. And, and Peter comes along and we know that Peter stops and he says, well, you know me. I, you know, I'd give my very life for you, Jesus. And Jesus says, before the hour is out, you'll have denied me three times. And... And what's he saying is, you don't really know. Well, well, they still didn't get it. They still didn't get it. And Jesus then says to them in, in John chapter 14, verse 1, after he's had this conversation with Peter, he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, apostles. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have not told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and I'll take you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I'm going. So Jesus says to Peter, who's saying, look, where are you going? Can I come? And Jesus says, listen, you're not able to do it right now. And Jesus says, but don't let your hearts be troubled. And, but Thomas, one of the apostles, he still doesn't get it. He still, and he, and he stops and, and Thomas said to him, Lord, Jesus, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, Thomas. I am the truth, Thomas. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you know me, you'll know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Well, they still didn't get it. They still didn't get it. So Philip then comes along and he decides he's going he's to ask Jesus for some clarifications. And he says this, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. And Jesus said to him, I have been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. 
It's so hard to grasp that the way to see the Father, the way to understand God is through Jesus. Jesus who is the imprint of the Father. Jesus who is the imprint. To see the indescribable, to see the infinite, to see the inconceivable God, we must look at Jesus. You can't know God. You can't know God's plan unless you see Jesus. And so when we look at our lives, all of our lives with all of our challenges, problems uh, along the way, with all of the joys that are in our life, we can only know the next step in our life. We can only know the next things to do in our life. We can only know the Father's plan because the Father created us with a plan. We can only know it if we have Jesus in us. The answer to the issues that we face in life, that I face, I have many things that I'm trying to figure through in my life right now, good things and things that I'm wrestling with. The answer is Jesus. So what does this have to do with Advent? What does this have to do with Advent? As Jesus comes into our world, uh, as we reflect on the scriptures, as, as we read the stories of Jesus' life, as we look at the things that Jesus taught, if we look at the way Jesus acted, if we listen to Jesus, what's Jesus doing the whole time he's saying he's revealing the Father? Read the scriptures the whole time he's saying, here's the Father. Here's the Father. Here's the Father's will. And in all of our lives, we all want to know the right thing. I've often talked about having a big red phone that I could ring God up and say, God, tell me what to do. Well, the red phone is Jesus. Jesus is that. So if there's things that we don't know in our lives at times, the answer is to turn to Jesus. And Advent is this moment when Jesus is coming and the church through the centuries has established through our tradition this period of time for these four weeks before Christmas where it says to us, listen, Listen to Jesus and you will see the Father's plan and you will see the indescribable. You will see the inconceivable God who knows all things before they're even on our mind, who knows all things. Uh, what Jesus is doing when he arrives is he will be revealing to us the Father and the Father's plan that we would be saved the Father's plan that we would live in a kingdom that is way beyond, way beyond what we could conceive. And so what's Advent? Advent is the time when we prepare for Jesus, who is sent from God the Father to us in order that Jesus can reveal to us who God is. Advent is the time when we prepare for Jesus, who is sent from God the Father to us in order that Jesus can reveal to us who God is. So this time, this time is about, Jesus is about to take the initiative. Jesus is coming. And how's he going to come? He's going to come as a baby. He's going to come as, as someone who is defenceless. He's going to come in innocence. And then he will live his life and he will show us through his life how to live for the Father.
I, I, I read recently where someone said, if you read the Gospels, the Gospels are really just the story of the love life between Jesus who goes off all the time to pray to his father. He's just going all the time to pray to his father. All the time. He just, it's, it's the story of his love life with the father, that he just keeps coming back and back and back to the father. And you can do that. You can do that. You can do that. You can come to the Father because God is coming. Because God is coming. God is coming. Advent is about coming to understand that the Father loves you. That the Father has a plan for you. That the Father wants us to know him and to experience him deeply. Advent is about getting ready for revelation of who Jesus is, who will reveal us to the Father. It's not about babies, and it's not about mangers. It's not. It's not. It's not about presents. It's not. It's about getting ready to receive Jesus in our life so that we would know the Father's love. Advent is powerful beyond what we can even believe if we approach Advent with a heart that says, let my eyes see let my ears hear. Let my, my spirit know. So Advent is powerful because it's a time when the church tells us because of its history, pause, just pause, just stop. Just make a space, become aware of God uh, because you're going to be pointed to the Father who loves us. And Jesus is coming because he's going to do all these things because who's behind all the things that Jesus does? But it's the Father. It's the Father who's behind it. It's remarkable. And that's why we prepare ourselves through Advent for the coming of Jesus. And so if in your life right now, wherever you are, if you're facing problems, if you've got things that you just don't know what to do about, and isn't that so many of us, if you've got challenges in your life, whether it be health or financial or issues of hope, or direction, if you have issues in your life of relationships with others, then Advent's just for you. Advent is the time when we can stop and we can say, Jesus, come to me. Jesus, come to me and allow me to see a plan that's so much bigger than what I can do. In our world where we're so capable, we're so trained, we're so, we're so technologically savvy. We're so uh, capable of doing so much. So many of us forget about God at times. Or we say our prayer times, but then we step into the driving seat. We say, our, we say our prayers, we go to church, and yet we stay in control. Uh, if I've learned anything of late, it's this. That surrender, surrender is this. Surrender is saying, I will do what you want. When I was 13 years old, a Catholic priest said to me on the 7th of November, and I still remember it, he said, if you want, to make, if you want Jesus to be the centre of your life, who will reveal to you the Father, and then the Father and the Son will send the Holy Spirit to you, you need to make a decision in your life who will lead your life. If you ask Jesus to be the centre of life, then what you're effectively doing for the remainder of your life, there will not be one single decision that you ever make where your decision will be first.
Where your thought will be first. Where you want will be first. If Jesus is truly to be the door to the inconceivable, the indescribable God, you must always say to Jesus, your will, not my will. Advent is taking stock of our life and saying, how much is Jesus first? Advent is stopping and saying, how much is Jesus in that place of leadership in my life? How surrendered am I to him so that I do the Father's will, so that the holy mystery of God, of who God is, God's will would be done in me. If that's you today, and maybe you have not got everything right, maybe you're doing pretty good, but Advent's for every one of us to be able to say even more, Jesus, come and be at the centre of my life so that I would know the Father. And that this Christmas is about a time of us surrendering our life, surrendering our heart to Him in order that there would be a much bigger thing happening than just what we want and that it would be more than just about going to church at Christmas and just fulfilling the obligation. It would be more than just presence. It would be more than having good and warm thoughts to others. It would be about knowing God. So right now, wherever you are, why don't you just close your eyes right now and let me pray. And wherever you are, God sees you right now. I can't see you, but God can. And allow your heart to be touched right now because of this prayer that you and I, let's together agree to pray. Loving Father, you look at all of us and you see us in every place we are around the world. Whether we're in this room, Lord God, or we're sitting at the end of a computer or a television set, in some country, in some town, city or village, you know. And Lord God, we want, Father God, we want your will. We want your way in our life. We want what you desire. And yet we know that the only way that we can discover, Father, your desire is if we know Jesus because Jesus is the door. Because Jesus is the imprint of who you are. To look at Jesus is to look at you. Jesus, be the centre of our lives. Jesus, be first in our life. And for those moments and times when we've pushed you out through things we've said and done or not said and done, forgive us right now. And Jesus, reveal to us, show us the Father's will. We surrender our lives to you. And Father, we make this prayer in the name of Jesus, through the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus leads us to the Father. But more than that, Jesus shows us the Father. And when we come to understand the love of the Father, when we come to understand the plan of the Father for us, it changes us. There are so many people who don't know that. There are so many people who don't know the plan and the love of God for them. And that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to help people discover who God is. I recently traveled to a whole number of cities across the United States. And I heard story after story of people who told me about how they had encountered God more deeply. 
as they've listened to the various programs and the many things that we produce. We couldn't do that if it was not for the help of people. Of our faith builder partners, the people who give every month, who've gone into our website, set up a way to do it. I couldn't do this without you, I truly couldn't. To all of the people who contribute from time to time when they can, I wanna say thank you to you, I couldn't do this without you. I'm so abundantly grateful to all of you for helping. Now, as a sign of my gift at this time of the year, as a sign of my uh, gratitude, I would like to give you a gift, and it's this. It is this book that I've written called Start Strong. How do you start something brand new? How do you develop habits that will help you thrive? My prayer is that as you read this, you will encounter the presence of God more deeply in your life. And as you support us by being able to give what you can to, for this, you determine how much you want to contribute. It will help us share Christ with even more people. Hey, I pray that you are blessed. So why don't you go to, to this address on the screen uh, go to the, and uh, go to the Give tab. And my prayer is that it will bless you abundantly. Loving Father, I thank you today that you're with us. I pray that people would be able to start strong. Start strong from the place they are, that people would start a new relationship with you even. Lord, for those that we love, our children, our husbands and wives, may they encounter you more deeply today. And Father, we make this prayer in the name of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey, thank you for being with us. Thank you for being on the journey. I look forward to talking to you again. And don't forget, wherever you are, God is never far from you. This program was paid for by the friends and partners of Bruce Downs Catholic Ministries.